This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Healthy Spaces podcast by Train Technologies. Healthy Spaces brings you the latest insights and experts on sustainable advances in climate technology and science. Listen to Healthy Spaces on your favorite podcast platform. From NPR at WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. Happy Hanukkah. Like the anchorman Nora. I'm Bill Curtis. And here is your host at the Studebaker Theater at the Fine Arts Building in Chicago, Illinois, filling in for Peter Sagal. It's Nagin Farsad. Nagin Farsad sitting in for Peter Sagal, which means the substitute host is in. Watch me struggle to figure out what chapter we're on, and then finally admit that all we can do is watch Dangerous Minds on VHS. <laughs> Later on, I'm really excited for this. Fred Schneider from the B-52s is joining us to play our games and finally define what is a rock lobster. But first, it's your turn. The number is one eight eight eight. Wait, wait. That's one eight 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 nine two four eight nine two four. Now let's welcome our first listener contestant. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, this is Amanda from Putney, Vermont. Hey, Amanda. What do do you do there in Vermont? Uh, Until recently, I was a librarian. I am now a project manager for a nonprofit. So you were a librarian. What was some of the weirder things people would ask you for? I mean, mostly I got asked where the bathroom was, so, you know, it's an important piece of information to pass along, sure. Like between the A's and the C's. (laughs) Well, thank you for doing your service to everyone's bowels. Now, let me introduce you to our panel. First up, an actor you know from Loki and Star Trek Lower Decks, it's Eugene Cordero. Hi, Amanda. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Next, it's the host of the daily podcast, TBTL, and the public radio variety show, Livewire, which will be live at Revolution Hall in Portland, December 14th. It's Luke Burbank. Hey, Amanda. Hi, Luke. And you can see her December 22nd in El Cajon, California at the Magnolia, and January 27th in Atlanta, Georgia at the Buckhead Theater. It's Paula Poundstone. Hey, Amanda. Hi, Paula. Uh, Amanda, are you are you ready to play? I am. All right. You're going to play Who's Bill this time. Bill Curtis is going to read you three quotes from this week's news. If you identify two of them correctly, you'll win our prize. Any voice from our show, you choose on your voicemail. And that voicemail will be a big surprise for the spam bots trying to sell you an extended warranty. <laughs> uh, are you ready? Yes. Let's do it. Okay. Here's your first quote. It's a definition. Noun. Style, charm, or attractiveness, taken from the middle part of the word charisma. That was the definition for Oxford 2023's word of the year. What's the word? The word is riz. That's right. Wow. Riz. She's still at the library. Yeah, leave it to a librarian. Riz um, is your Oxford 2023 word of the year. And this is helpful to those of us who turn to the Oxford English Dictionary to find out how to talk to teens. No cap. It's a teen word. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's more popular in that age demographic. Well, now that I know it, I'm going to use it a lot. <laughs> and by you using it, you will murder the word. Yes. <laughs> no, not true at all, but uh, the very mention of that shows a lot of riz on your part. Nice. Yes. There's, so many, it's, there's so many different ways that the word can be used. You can riz someone up. Mm. which is to kind of like use your charisma. If you're really like the most charismatic person in a group, you would be the Rizzler, which is also, which is also a villain from the original Batman TV show. Yeah. Like pretty sure. It's also a steakhouse, I think. Yes, it is. <laughs> Unlimited breadsticks. Yeah. No, I mean, and it definitely seems like once being, you know, becoming word of the year makes the word no longer cool, but maybe teenagers actually offered Riz as a sacrificial slang word, you know, like we'll let the old have riz so we can keep using dead ass in peace. (laughs) 
Wasn't Swifty the like second runner-up? I believe they sort of had an open vote, right? That's right. It was uh, the the uh, runners-up were Swifty and Situationship. <laughs> Situationship? Yeah. What is that? It's like a relationship that isn't like totally defined. Oh, that's how oh. they go to prom nowadays. It's yeah. also how I did all of my twenties. Right. I yes. didn't get a real commitment out of anyone. Wow. Well, Paul, let me try to explain it this way: when two people meet and one has a lot of riz. Wow. A situationship can be born. Oh, man, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah, situationship yeah. is also um, a relationship with the guy from Jersey Shore, I think. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> why, why, when I'm with you all, do I feel like I never have left my house? <laughs> like, this is my first time out in years. <laughs> I feel like this was like a really, like a learning segment. So yeah, I feel like is. we all did that really well. Yeah. All right, here's your next quote. Hi-ho, Earth people. Cosmic here. I popped in from outer space on a trade mission. Those were the words of an alien named Cosmic, the mascot for a new restaurant from what fast food giant? Oh, thank goodness I skimmed the New York Times today. That would be McDonald's. (laughs) That's right, McDonald's. So... For the first time in its history, McDonald's is opening a new restaurant in America. It's Cosmics, part of the McDonald's Extended Universe. <laughs> and it's a challenge to Starbucks. Uh, that's right. Cosmics is the restaurant for everybody who likes Starbucks, but happens to be closer to a Cosmics. This is actually very much aimed, I think, at a company that's popular in the Northwest, where I'm from. I'm from Portland, Oregon now. And there's a company called Dutch Brothers. And they have, like, tons of locations. And it's coffee, drive through coffee things. The fans call themselves the Dutch Mafia. And they have bumper stickers. It, wow. The, their, their innovation was to put Skittles in coffee. <laughs> and it's wildly popular out there. And what I've read is that McDonald's is trying to corner that market. The people that think Starbucks is too healthy... <laughs> The people that think a 7,000-calorie breakfast shake <laughs> is, is too healthy now have a place, aside from Dutch Brothers, to go to get their candy drink in the morning. Also, it's just like another reason to find Portland annoying. No? <laughs> <laughs> the menu has drinks you can't get anywhere else. There's the popping pear slush, the s'mores cold brew. Basically, everything they serve is a combination of a frappuccino and those drinks from Panera that kill you. Right. So. Yeah, those all sound disgusting. Are they, uh, is it going to look like a McDonald's? Is it going to have, like, you know, the... Because that's what you're into, Paula, the aesthetic of McDonald's? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, I actually have uh, some intel on the design features. Um, the design actually features a simple color scheme of bold yellow and blue, uh, because if there's anything McDonald's wants us to do, it's to think about the conflict in Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> Very clever on that part. <laughs> All right, Amanda, your last quote is from New York Magazine with some timely holiday advice. It's better that they think of you as the one with the insane Excel skills and uh, not the one who passed out on the copier. This is a helpful word of advice for what occasion that happens this time of year? Work, Christmas parties? That's right! Exactly. So, due to the pandemic and budget cutbacks, many offices have not had a holiday party in several years. Well, they're back. a chance to spend an evening with the people you spend every day with. <laughs> it's, sort of, it's only when holiday parties went away because of the pandemic that I started to reflect on what a truly unhinged idea it really is. <laughs> Let's take a bunch of people who are very uh, stressed out and where there's a whole hierarchy and people are mostly not saying what they want to say for 60 to 80 hours a week, and then let's apply a river of alcohol to the situation. (laughs) What could possibly go wrong? And it's so tough, like, when you can't remember somebody's name at the office party, right? Like, it doesn't work to introduce somebody to your spouse and be like, honey, this is either Brandon or Brendan. I don't know. Oh, man. (laughs) You know, I could never... Uh, it hap- you know how you get to know somebody too well mm-hmm. to ask their name? Yeah. So years, I years was like by. that with my dad. I, uh, <laughs> you know, I would recognize him in the hallway. Like, what's I'd, up, guy? Yeah, I'd be like, I know that guy. I know that guy. <laughs> oh. All right, Bill, how 
How did Amanda do? Amanda's been studying at that library because she got a perfect score. Amanda. Nice, Amanda. Great job, Amanda. Thanks so much for playing. Thank you. It was very fun. Bye. Bye. It's a rock and roll Hanukkah. Rock and roll Hanukkah. So put on your yarmulke and have yourself a rock and roll Hanukkah. Right now, panel, it's time for you to answer some questions about this week's news. Oh. Luke, the Calm Meditation app has an exciting new celebrity bedtime story available, read by which celebrity? Gilbert Gottfried's Ghost. <laughs> uh. Now, let me give you a hint. Oh, okay, that wasn't right? It's a wonderful app. Jimmy Stewart? That's right, Jimmy Stewart. So it was a ghost. I just yeah, had the wrong ghost. That's right. <laughs> is a mental health app that companies like to offer their employees in lieu of health care. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know what? You just lost yours. <laughs> they were going to give you calm. They're not I now. Know, not, not gonna, well, I, and look, I love Jimmy Stewart as much as the next guy, but I don't know if he has the most bedtime-friendly voice, right? He's just like, now, well, wait a minute. Gee, Willikers, if yeah. it isn't time for bed. You've got the sleep thing all wrong, see? It's not in your head, it's in Eugene's head and, and Paula's head and all of your heads. <laughs> like an odd choice well, for a bedtime. And it's like a waste of money to use AI to do this when you can literally ask any person on the street to do their Jimmy Stewart impression. <laughs> well, yes. okay, I wouldn't say any person because I think part of what made Luke's uh, Jimmy Stewart and Preston so powerful. Thank you. Was how unidentifiable it was coming yeah. from you, Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why? What do you mean, Paula? <laughs> 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 Coming up, we crack the case in our Bluff the Listener game. Call 1-888-WAIT-WAIT to play. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. On this week's Wild Card, we talk with Issa Rae about those moments where our lives could have gone another direction. Definitely wasn't supposed to be with that guy at all. At all. But I still think about it. I'm Rachel Martin. Issa Rae tells us how to make peace with the path not taken. That's on the Wild Card podcast from NPR, the game where cards control the conversation. When the economic news gets to be a bit much... Listen to The Indicator from Planet Money. We're here for you, like your friends, trying to figure out all the most confusing parts. One story, one idea, every day. All in 10 minutes or less. The Indicator from Planet Money, your friendly economic sidekick. From NPR. Numbers that explain the economy. We love them at The Indicator from Planet Money. And on Fridays, we discuss indicators in the news, like job numbers, spending, the cost of food, sometimes all three. So my indicator is about why you might need to bring home more bacon to afford your eggs. I'll be here all week. Wrap up your week and listen to The Indicator podcast from NPR. Hey, it's Peter Sagal here with a quick and really very sincere thank you to our Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Plus supporters and anyone listening who donates to public media of any kind. After all, public media means that you, the public, support it. That's the meaning of the phrase. Everything you hear from the NPR network really does depend on your contributions. Now, if you're not a supporter yet, it is a great time to get invested in helping NPR create a more informed public. NPR journalists need your help to do that because we certainly are not doing it on Wait, Wait. Now, if you like perks, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Plus offers sponsor-free episodes as well as bonus episodes featuring extended interviews and a regular quiz game we play with a listener. If you want to make a tax-deductible donation to your favorite NPR station, that is absolutely great. What really matters is that you are a part of the community that makes this work possible. 
Because honestly, NPR programming comes to you free, but it is not free to make. Microphones, computers, software, journalists need all those things so they can keep reporting the news and we can keep making fun of that news here on this show. So please, give today at donate.npr.org slash wait wait or explore NPR plus at plus.npr.org. And thanks. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We are playing this week with Paula Poundstone, Eugene Cordero, and Luke Burbank. And here again is your host at the Studebaker Theater in Chicago, Illinois, filling in for Peter Segel. It's the Gein Farsad. It's time for the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me Bluff the Listener game. Call one eight eight eight. wait wait to play our game on air. Hi, you're on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, I'm Mark Green in Nashville, Tennessee. Hey, Mark. What do you do in Nashville? Oh, I'm retired. I ride my bike and uh, listen to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Oh, well, do you ever do both at the same time? Oh, yeah. This summer I did a cross-country uh, bike packing trip, and uh, I caught up on all of the episodes I hadn't heard before, either cruising along on my bike or in my tent at night. I listened and listened until I'd nailed them all. My God. <laughs> well, Mark, uh, listening to the entire Wait, Wait archive on a bike makes you one of the more delightfully weird uh, callers. <laughs> That's really saying something with this show, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much uh, for joining us. It's so nice to have you. You're going to play our game in which you hear three stories and pick the one that's true. What's the topic, Bill? Case closed. Okay, so everybody loves a mystery. Who done it? How'd they do it? What's in that one drawer in Peter Sagel's office he told me to never, ever open? <laughs> Our panelists are going to tell you about a small-town mystery solved this week. Pick the panelists telling the truth, and you'll win our prize, the wait-waiter of your choice, on your voicemail. Are you ready to play? You bet. Okay. First up, Eugene Cordero. For months, the residents of a small mountain village of Vistogirardi in southern Italy were gripped in terror. The town was being targeted by a slasher of tires. Villagers were worried that the offender was a furious neighbor, or worse, involved in mob activities. The police started patrolling the area in plain clothes, and after a report of four more attacks, mounted surveillance cameras. These cameras were able to catch the criminal who lives in the village, destroying a tire with his teeth because he's a dog (laughs) with gingivitis. (laughs) Billy the dog was using the car tires to soothe his painful mouth by biting into the rubber. That is good for the people of the town, but all domesticated animals now know to never cross Billy the Tooth. (laughs) (laughs) All right, a dog with gingivitis slashing tires from Eugene Cordero. Your next mystery, wrapped in an enigma, comes from Paula Poundstone. Um, Before I begin, Mark, and you can choose anybody's story you want, but uh, I do want to tell you that you've got a lot of riz. Historical markers started showing up in the tiny Finnish town of Ratavara a while ago. The problem? None of the events happened. One marker is a metal pole holding a rusty sign declaring that this was the site of an 1832 battle when the citizens armed with only their wits and extraordinary sweaters successfully fought the invasion of the Moors. Patrons of Herdegerda's pub will find a similarly aged sign outside their destination claiming it was once the home of Mark Twain and the very place from which he wrote several chapters of Huckleberry Finn. When 17-year-old Rigmore Latvala was spotted near a new rusty sign marking the site of the first successful surgical separation of conjoint twins connected at the head on a sled, she confessed, our whole town is just a field, a pub, and a wire sheep brush repair shop. I just wanted to make it more exciting. (laughs) 
bogus, uh, bogus historical markers in a small town in Finland from Paula Poundstone. I prefer you not use the word bogus near my bluff. <laughs> <laughs> and your last who done it comes from Luke Burbank. Korchi, Albania is the seventh largest city in the country, but you might as well have thought it was Tirana recently, thanks to all the attention it was getting. It all started back in September. I pulled the toast out of the toaster and could not believe what I was seeing, Eliza Prefti told the Korchi Gazette. What Eliza observed was a face burned into the toast, but not just any face, the face of the greatest living Albanian-American, Jim Belushi. Now that Mother Teresa and Regis Philbin are gone, Prefti continued, Jim Belushi is basically the patron saint of Albania, so to see his face in my toast was a great blessing. A blessing that about 50 other people in the area also shared as they too saw images of Belushi in their toast. After rigorous reporting, the Gazette published its findings this week. It turns out that Tote Doli, which is Albania's leading toaster company, was experimenting with a cheaper heating element, which when turned to eight on the knob, melted slightly and toasted a shape eerily similar to the star of such hits as K-9, according to Jim, and K-9 private investigations. <laughs> Tote Doli has offered to replace any of the Belushi toasters with exactly zero Albanians taking them up on the offer so far. <laughs> okay, Mark. Okay, Mark, you've got from Eugene, a dog with gingivitis slashing tires. From Paula, a town full of bogus historical markers. And from Luke, a town in Albania where Jim Belushi is on all their toast. Which one of these is real? Well, as authentic as all those names that Paula pronounced certainly were, <laughs> I've got to go with Billy the dog because they sure can slash tires. Okay. Well, to find out the correct answer, we spoke to an expert on the real story. Billy has wreaked some havoc, and Billy needs to get a dental cleaning so he can go back to not chewing tires. That was Dr. Hunter Finn, a veterinarian and owner of Pet Method Hospital, talking about the dog with gingivitis. Congratulations, Mark. You got it right. Yeah. <laughs> You earned a point for Eugene, and you've won our prize, the voice of your choice on your voicemail. Thank you, Mark. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. Thank you, Mark. You're just a doggone diggity doggone diggity dog. You're just a doggone diggity doggone diggity dog. game we call Not My Job. Fred Schneider may be the most unlikely pop star of all time. As the singer and frontman of the B-52s, he scored several surreal hits with songs like Rock Lobster, Love Shack, and Private Idaho. Since then, he's written books, composed TV theme songs, and with his band, The Superions, released one of the strangest and best Christmas albums of all time. Fred Schneider, welcome to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Oh, Freddy. Um, so, Fred, I, I want to start by asking you about Rock Lobster. It was your first major hit song, um, and it's about rock lobsters. Uh, were you surprised that that's the song that broke into the mainstream? I'm surprised anything did. Well, it didn't <laughs> break into the mainstream. It was uh, a uh, alternative hit. It, it got played on alternative radio, but it made us huge in Australia. <laughs> Why, why do you think it was uh, more so than in the United States, you think, your, your impact on Australia? Well, I, th I think they're crazier like me. They just <laughs> they appreciate just something that's really off the wall. Because around the, this country, we were playing dumps, and we get to Australia, and they have limos waiting for us, and they take us around in yachts, and we're like, whoa. I'm surprised you came back. <laughs> your hits was Love Shack, and it's like a huge karaoke stable. Um, I know. I, oh, I, 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 <laughs> is it? Oh, Lord. Yes. I, okay. I've, got, I've been to clubs, and people start ruining it, so I just get up there and say, oh, let me. <laughs> Have 
you? You've gone to a karaoke club and done your own song? Oh, yeah. And I just felt karaoke. Oh, my gosh, that's great. By the way, I was two weeks ago, I was one of the people that ruined your song in a karaoke bar. <laughs> well, one of the reasons we wanted you to come on the show is because you have a, a, the re-release of a Christmas album coming out. It's called Destination Christmas. Um, can you tell us a little bit about some of the titles of the songs and some of the subject matter? Uh, we have uh, Betty and Teddy Yeti. And actually, we were fortunate enough to be on the Times Best 10 Christmas albums uh, when it first came out. And they said, just when it, you think it can't get any worse at the North Pole, it does. <laughs> <laughs> we have the song Fruitcake, which celebrates fruitcake, which I love and most people hate. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. It's the the funny thing about the album is that it's a little like apocalyptic Christmas. You know what I mean? There's a lot of like death and destruction in the album. Like, what is your like relationship with Christmas? Oh, I love the holidays. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have an overdone uh, Christmas tree. And uh, my friend, uh, Michael, who helped me with this, said it looks like Christmas threw up in my house. <laughs> hey, uh, Frank, can I ask you a quick question? Um, do you, uh, so I uh, used to teach improv at this improv theater called the Upright Citizens Brigade, and we would uh, do a warm-up, an improv warm-up called Hey Fred Schneider. Have you heard of that? Uh, yes, actually I went to Second City. They asked me to do improv, so I've done improv, and I took it under Gary Austin from the Groundlings. And so they were doing that, and I walked down and goes, well, this is really great. Oh, man. <laughs> it's such a fun great game. You just, uh, you just ask Fred Schneider, and I'm sure he would just interrupt you because we're not doing it as good as he would do it. Yes. But you would say, hey, Fred Schneider, what are you doing? And then you would respond like, I'm singing Rock Lobster as Red Lobster loses money or something like that. <laughs> like this, which I never sang like before. <laughs> Very true, yes. Which we understand why you would hate it. <laughs> no, I, I think it's funny. It's like, who, who thought of this? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of who thought of this, you have a song called Someone Threw a Ham at Me. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And is that like autobiographical? Did that really happen? Well, a friend claimed he saw some lady uh, walking, you know, walking up to the uh, cashier, and all of a sudden a canned ham falls from under her house dress, and she turned around real quick and said, Who threw that ham at me? <laughs> nice save. I thought that would be a good uh, theme for a song. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> it's an excellent song. If you don't know this tune, you must look it up. Well, Fred Schneider, we've asked you here to play a game we're calling... Bang, bang, bang on the court, baby. <laughs> you had a huge hit with Love Shack, but how much do you love Shaq? Meaning, of course, NBA great Shaquille O'Neal. Answer two out of three questions right about Shaq Diesel, and you'll win our prize for one of our listeners. Bill, who is Fred Schneider playing for? Joel Baker of Houston, Texas. All right. Fred, here is your first question. Lord, and if, if, if I really screw up, I'll do the voice on his voicemail. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Shaquille O'Neal was one of the biggest centers of all time, but he was pretty bad at making free throws, so much so that which of these happened? <clears throat> he decided to start shooting free throws underhand, B, he once got so excited after making a free throw that he took off running down the court forgetting that he was supposed to shoot two free throws. Or C, one time, instead of even trying, he just gave the ball to the referee and said, let's not waste everybody's time. (laughs) Are you serious? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. A? (laughs) So, you want to go with he decided to start shooting free throws underhand, but if you didn't go with that, like what's one of the other ones you would go with? 
B. Oh my God, that's absolutely right. were excited too, high-fiving him as they escorted him back to the free throw line. Oh my gosh, that's funny. That's smart for me. <laughs> All right, here's your next question. Shaq broke many records on the court, but he also holds one record from outside the world of basketball. What is it? Was it A, he once spent $70,000 during a single visit to Walmart, the biggest individual sale in the company's history? Or B, he holds the world record for most pieces of gum chewed at the same time at 250. Or C, he sleeps on the largest mattress that Sealy has ever made, a custom order called an Orlando King. <laughs> oh. Mm. Um, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. He spent $70,000. Wow. In a wall visit. So he had just been traded to Phoenix where the team had found him an unfurnished apartment. So he went to Walmart and just bought everything. And actually his credit card was declined, but after he talked to American Express, they let it go through. So here's your last question. Shaq has also done some acting. In 2002, he did a voice for a video game called Quest for the Code. This game had an all-star cast that also included Whoopi Goldberg, Glenn Close, Jeff Goldblum, and General Norman Schwarzkopf. Oh my gosh. What was the goal of Quest for the Code? Was it A, to defeat the Looney Tunes basketball team from Space Jam? Was it B, to find the DNA research that could cure the zombie virus that infected everyone at the Emmy Awards? Or was it C, to learn how to manage your asthma? Um, well, I've been to award shows and they're really boring. <laughs> That's right, it's C. Oh my God, yeah. Uh-huh. How did you ever come up with that? Oh, so good, you're so good. It was, uh, it was actually, it, it was um, How to Manage Your Asthma. It was an educational game. Shaq played a villain called the Fuminator, um, or the Fuminator. Mm-hmm. Bill, how did Fred do on our quiz? Three in a row, boy, are you a champ. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Tell what I really had a great time. <laughs> oh, Fred. Fred Schneider is a member of the B-52s and the Superions, and he's the newscaster for the Weekly World News Report on YouTube. Fred Schneider, thank you so much for joining us on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Nice to meet you, Fred. Merry Christmas. In just a minute, we reveal the one must-have item for your next cruise in our Listener Limerick Challenge. Call 1-888-WAIT-WAIT to join us on air. We'll be back in a minute with more of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me from NPR. You care about what's happening in the world. Let State of the World from NPR keep you informed. Each day we transport you to a different point on the globe and introduce you to the people living world events. We don't just tell you world news, we take you there. And you can make this journey while you're doing the dishes or driving your car. State of the World podcast from NPR. Vital international stories every day. On the Code Switch podcast, conversations about race and identity don't begin or end with the news cycle. That's because we know race and identity impact every person and influence every story. We're getting into all of it with new voices each week on the Code Switch podcast from NPR. From the campaigns to the conventions, from now through Election Day and beyond, the NPR Politics Podcast has you covered. As Joe Biden and Donald Trump square off again, we bring you the latest news from the trail and dive deep into each candidate's goals for a second term. Listen to the NPR Politics Podcast every weekday. From NPR and WBEZ Chicago, this is Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR News Quiz. I'm Bill Curtis. We are playing this week with Eugene Cordero, Paula Poundstone, and Luke Burbank. And here again is your host at the Studebaker Theater in Chicago, Illinois, filling in for Peter Sagal, Nagin Farsad. Thanks, Bill. 
a minute we all catch a case of rheumatoid arthritis, Ooh. it's the Listener Limerick Challenge. If you'd like to play, give us a call at 1-888-WAIT-WAIT. That's 1-888-9248-924. But right now, panel, some more questions about this week's news. Luke, to those looking for signs of progress at this year's UN Global Climate Change Conference, hmm. we point you to a session on, quote, responsible what? Responsible, responsible pushing a refrigerator down a hill <laughs> on the outside of town. So close. Let me give you a hint. Okay. I'm naming mine the SS Hypocrite. Oh, responsible yachting? That's right. Responsible yachting. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Yeah. Fresh off last year's hit session, oil spills, making ducks shinier, the UN Climate Conference brings you responsible yachting. Topics include hybrid engines, non-toxic exterior paints, and how to lower your yacht's carbon footprint by leaving your staff's lifeboat behind. There was, I will say, the tips on carbon-neutral ascot tying. <laughs> I do think there were some, some useful info some in useful there. Some useful tips in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the session was actually sponsored by a luxury mega yacht company um, and included topics like, why catamarans? Um, and, and don't worry, the attendee who asked, have we thought about sailboats, was escorted out and immediately detained. Oh, yeah. So. Wow. What I'm trying to figure out is, like, what is the Venn diagram overlap? A person who owns a billion-dollar yacht that is adding to the destruction of the planet but also feels bad about it, that's... Yeah. I don't... Is anyone in that over Yeah, there's got to be, like, six people there. Yeah. Did a tumbleweed blow through that breakout session at the climate conference? <laughs> All right. Paula, it's the holiday season. The Wall Street Journal reports many children this year are using PowerPoint to do what? Um, oh to make their uh, list of uh, what they want for Santa. That's right. <laughs> They're using PowerPoint for Christmas wish lists. I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and worse yet, Santa is now taking the list and promising to circle back after connecting with the other account managers. Wow. He knows when you've been sleeping. He knows your key performance indicators. Yeah. <laughs> More and kids are actually frustrated by gifts that weren't exactly what they asked for, and they're creating PowerPoints with subheadings like shoes I want, video games, and gifts that ensure you're the parent I'll love after the divorce. <laughs> and honestly, like, you never want to hear your seven-year-old say, like, hey, did you get that deck I sent? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. The idea of, that these kids are doing this now because they didn't get quite what they wanted... Mm is uh, maddening. I remember, like, didn't we... I remember getting wooden toys and being very happy about it. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe that's just because, uh, I mean, I really like wooden toys. Uh, and I asked for it every year. Um, but I just, I, I get nervous because I have two kids and I'm worried that we're not going to get them exactly what they want and they're going to be pissed rather than just excited yeah. that somebody got them something. This is really a great argument for educating kids less, you know? Like, <laughs> sure, honey, I'm happy to watch your presentation about how my presents weren't good enough right after you watch my presentation, 36 hours of labor with pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be honest, if my daughter used PowerPoint, I would be so impressed, truthfully. I mean, she's 30, but <laughs> I would still be very impressed. I wrote it on the list. I hope I get everything I wish for. I wrote it on the list. Coming up, it's lightning fill in the blank. But first, it's the game where you have to listen for the rhyme. If you want to play on air, call or leave a message at 1-888-WAIT-WAIT. That's 1-888-9248-924. You can catch us most weeks here at the beautiful Studebaker Theater in Chicago. For tickets and information, go to nprpresents.org. Also, check us out on Instagram at WaitWaitNPR. Hi, you're on Wait Wait, Don't Tell Me. Hi, my name is Jocelyn, and I'm calling in from Kansas City. Hey, Jocelyn, what's, what do you do there in Kansas City? 
Uh, I work as an animal care specialist, taking care of five species of penguins, a polar <sighs> bear, some river otters, some sea lions, and some sea otters. Jocelyn, did you see the news about uh, penguins napping thousands yeah, of times bup, a day? Bup, bup, oh, bup, bup. sorry. Here we go. Oh. <laughs> 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 you I've always wanted Jocelyn. to know what it was like to be one of Na- one of one of Nagin's children. I just found out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jocelyn, welcome to the show. Bill Curtis is going to read you three newsy lyrics with the last word or phrase missing from each. If you can fill in that last word or phrase correctly on two of them, you're a winner. Here's your first limerick. We invite retirees on a trip. It's too bad we've let some details slip. So if you've booked a cruise, we've got some bad news. We have guests, but we don't have a... Last year, a cruise company offered a three-year cruise around the world with luxury accommodations and trips to exotic destinations. But just days before it was set to embark, the company announced they'd forgotten to actually buy a boat. Wow. (laughs) Oops. People are blaming the cruise company, but did any of the passengers bother to ask? Um, hey, just checking, you do have a boat, right? <laughs> that is the ultimate embrace of eco-friendly yachting. Yeah. yeah. No, responsible. It's responsible yachting. It is you know? responsible yachting. You know, so much of travel is just based on trust. Uh, like when you board and there's a ramp down to the plane, it has never occurred to me to say to the ticketing agent, there is a plane at the end of this, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jocelyn, here's your next limerick. With fish eggs, we're proving how suave we are. We'll eat them right after this candy bar. At diners, we're splurging on row from some sturgeon because everyone's having some... Caviar. Yeah! Yeah! The newest addition to the menu at casual dining spots is caviar. It's becoming a treat for everyone, not just a delicacy for millionaires to eat off their monocles. (laughs) Well, at one neighborhood restaurant in Chicago, you can now order the $9 onion dip with $135 worth of beluga caviar plopped on top. It's a great option for anyone who wants their friends to regret splitting the bill. (laughs) Ooh, onion dip. And caviar. What a yummy, yummy combination. Someone's making a baby tonight. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Here's your last limerick. In harsh climates with hundreds of traps, we penguins are affable chaps. We stay cute and pert by sleeping in spurts. We take thousands of three-second... Um, I think the answer's probably nap. Well, we'll ask Luke. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. That's right. Naps. According to a new study, chinstrap penguins take 10,000 naps a day. I mean, lazy-ass birds, this is why you never learn to fly. (laughs) What what, what do you mean? They take 10,000 naps a day and they had to do a study to find that? I mean, nobody ever just casually noticed? Boy, that bird sleeps a lot. Well, that's a, a question for Jocelyn. I mean, you work with these animals. Have you noticed a lot of napping going on? Yeah. I would say that on and off, they would nap, like, in short periods, all of my birds. You know, Jocelyn, you should have written it down, because you could have made a lot of money for that study. (laughs) Yeah, I could have. Bill, how did Jocelyn do? Jocelyn and her animal family got them all right. All right! Jocelyn, thanks so much for playing our game. Thank you so much for having me. On the TED Radio Hour, in the middle school cafeteria, Ty Tashiro always sat with his equally nerdy buddies. The socially awkward kids who were the furthest thing from cool. And he often wondered, Why am I so socially awkward and what am I going to do about that? Now Ty is a psychologist and expert on awkwardness, and he has some answers. That's on the TED Radio Hour from NPR. 
It's Been a Minute is a culture show you don't want to miss. Every week, we help you see the culture angle behind the headlines, the forces behind the trends, and the thinkers behind the next big thing. Tune in for the sharp cultural analysis and captivating interviews. Listen now to the It's Been a Minute podcast from NPR. Here at Planet Money, we bring complex economic ideas down to earth. We find weird, fun, interesting stories that explain the way money shapes our lives. Inflation, recessions, the price of gas, we've got you. Listen now to the Planet Money podcast from NPR. Now on to our final game, Lightning Fill-in-the-Blank. Each of our players will have 60 seconds in which to answer as many fill-in-the-blank questions as they can. Each correct answer is worth two points. Bill, can you give us the scores? Paula and Luke each have two. Eugene has four. All right, so Paula and Luke are tied for losing. Um, So I'm just Uh, going to arbitrarily choose Paula to go first. Fill-in-the-blank. On Wednesday, Tuscaloosa, Alabama hosted the fourth GOP blank. Uh, debate. Right. On Monday, the Pentagon reported that three commercial ships had been attacked in the blank sea. Uh, I don't know which sea. Maybe the Black Sea. Wrong. Red Sea. This week, Senate Republicans... <laughs> 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 this week, Senate Republicans blocked billions of dollars in additional aid to blank. Ukraine. Right. On Tuesday, Senator Tommy Tuberville announced he would no longer block blank promotions. Military. Right. After taking 20 years to finish Finnegan's Wake, a book club in California announced that their next book would be blank. Um, ooh, Ulysses. No, Finnegan's Wake, again. Wow. On Monday, officials in Nicaragua accused the organizers of the blank pageant of conspiring against the nation. The Miss Universe. Right. Best known for shows like All in the Family and Good Times, legendary writer and producer Blank passed away at the age of 101. The great Norman Lear. That's right. This week, a candidate for the Rainier City Council in Washington lost his election by one vote because he blanked. Um, because he uh, forgot to vote. No, because he didn't vote for himself. That's what I meant. Damien Green said he thought it would be narcissistic to vote oh, for himself. Okay. All right. So he abstained and then lost his bid for city council by just one vote. Uh. I guess that explains his campaign slogan. Damien Green, believe in me because I definitely don't believe in myself. <laughs> wow. Um. Bill, how did Paula do? Very well. Uh, five right, ten more points. Total of 12 puts her in the lead. Okay, Luke, you're up next. Fill in the blank. On Wednesday, House Speaker Blank announced he'd retire from Congress at the end of the year. Kevin McCarthy. Right. On Monday, the corruption trial against Israel Prime Minister Blank resumed. Netanyahu. Right. This week, fake electors in Wisconsin settled a lawsuit against them, admitting that Blank won in 2020. Biden. Right. On Sunday, Alaska Airlines announced a $1 billion deal to buy blank. Hawaiian Air. Right. After workers at a protein bar factory were required to wear hairnets, customers found blank in their protein bars. Protein. (laughs) Wrong. Hairnets. Oh. (laughs) A source of protein. (laughs) According to sources, the University of Michigan is planning to offer football coach blank a $55 million contract extension. Jim Harbaugh. Right. On Wednesday, Blank was announced as Times Person of the Year. Taylor Swift. Right. This week, a couple in D.C. had their phones stolen, but got them back a minute later when the thief blanked. Uh, called them. When the thief realized they were Android phones and returned them. Oh, man. The robber kept their wallets and car keys. But gave back the androids. Even worse, when the couple called 911 to report the crime, the operator said, ew, call back on an iPhone or, like, don't even bother. Oh, my gosh. Why is this text a different color? (laughs) Bill, how did Luke do? Let me check my numbers. That was unbelievable. Uh, Six right. Wow. 12 more points. 14 puts him in the lead. Bill, how wow. many does Eugene need to win? Five to tie, six to win. Whoa. All right, Eugene, this is for the game. Hi. Fill in the blank. This week, the U.N. Secretary General called for world leaders to demand an immediate ceasefire in blank. 
in uh, Gaza. Right. On Wednesday, former UK Prime Minister Blank apologized for his actions during the pandemic. Uh, God, what's his name? Um, uh, Boris uh, um, um, uh, British. Yes, yeah, I'll right. give it to you, Boris Johnson. Yeah. This week, a woman in Michigan was arrested for shoplifting from a Walmart during their blank event. Uh, uh, Black Friday event. <laughs> during their shop with a cop event. <laughs> That's not a real thing that they do it at Walmart. It is a real thing. <laughs> According to a new report from leading economists, despite high interest rates, a blank is unlikely. Um, a, uh, um, oh my God. It's like a... Yeah, 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 yeah. It's where there's no money anymore and everything. Is... I'm going to give it words. to you. It's a recession. <laughs> sure. This week, police in Australia are asking for help locating a woman who stole a van filled with blank. Weed. No, 10,000 Krispy Kreme donuts. In Australia? They love them. Police say the woman didn't even know the van she was stealing from the 7-Eleven parking lot was filled with 10,000 donuts, but she definitely does now. Bill, this feels unlikely, but did Eugene do well enough to No. <laughs> he got three right. I'll tell you something right now. I barely knew my own name halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> you got six more right, and you got a total of ten, which oh, means right. we crown Luke Burbank Whoa. the champion. Oh, Luke Burbank! Congratulations, buddy. In just a minute, we'll ask our panelists to predict 2024's word of the year. But first, let me tell you that Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a production of NPR and WBEC Chicago in association with Urgent Haircut Productions, Doug Berman, Benevolent Overlord. Philip Godeke writes our limericks. Our public address announcer is Paul Friedman. Our tour manager is Shana Donald. Thanks to the staff and crew at the Studebaker Theater, B.J. Lederman composed our theme. Our program is produced by Jennifer Mills, Miles Dorn, Boss and Lillian King. Special thanks to Monica Hickey and Blythe Robertson. Peter Gwynn is our Riz director. Emma Choi is our vibe curator. Technical direction from Lorna White. Our CFO is Colin Miller. Our production manager is Robert Newhouse. Our senior producer is Ian Chillag. The executive producer of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is Mike Danforth. Now, panel, what'll be the word of the year next year? Eugene? Uh, borrow, because that's what these Gen Zers are going to ask their parents every time they're trying to get a job from making up all these weird words. <laughs> Paula Poundstone. The word of the year will be, oh, God, oh, no, oh, God, oh, no. But it'll be one word. <laughs> Luke Burbank. The word of the year will be sorry, as in sorry we picked that word last year. That was terrible. <laughs> And if any of that happens, we're going to ask you about it on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Thank you, Bill Curtis. Thanks also to Eugene Cordero, Luke Burbank, and Paula Poundstone. And thanks to all of you for listening. I'm Nikki Farsad, filling in for Peter Sagal, and we'll see you next week. This is NPR. With more and more information coming at you all day, every day, it can be hard to know where to focus. The new Consider This newsletter from NPR can be that focus. Every weekday afternoon, we take one of the day's biggest stories and break it down in a simple, skimmable format so you can get a better grasp of one important topic and what it means for you in a couple of minutes. Sign up for free at npr.org slash consider this newsletter. You care about what's happening in the world. Let State of the World from NPR keep you informed. Each day we transport you to a different point on the globe and introduce you to the people living world events. We don't just tell you world news, we take you there. And you can make this journey while you're doing the dishes or driving your car. State of the World podcast from NPR. Vital international stories every day. Every weekday, NPR's best political reporters come to you on the NPR Politics Podcast to explain the big news coming out of Washington, the campaign trail, and beyond. We don't just want to tell you what happened. We tell you why it matters. Join the NPR Politics Podcast every single afternoon to understand the world through political eyes.